0: Welcome to the show! We are tuned in for real-life stories with real-life people who have overcome adversity and healed their life. I am your host, Victoria Johnson, teacher-trainer and coach-trainer for the Heal Your Life Certification Program and best-selling author of Do That and Then Some Transform Feelings of Less Than to More Than Enough. As Louise Hay always said, the point of power is in the present moment, so let's get started. Hello, listeners and viewers, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast and the IGTV. For those of you who are catching us there, I have been so excited for this guest because she is doing something that we've all just dreamt of doing but haven't really done. So let me just tell you a little bit about our guest. Her name is Glenda. Her website, for those of you who want to look it up while we are talking and follow along, is The TheStatusFoe.com. That's F-O-E, statusfo.com which is really interesting. And then on Instagram, Glenda Hoon Russell. So Glenda, H-O-O-N-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. Email is Glenda at thestatusfo.com. And uh, what's really cool is she ran away from home, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and she and her husband had decided they had had enough of, uh, I'm going to call it fake life. And now they're living real life on the road in their motor home. And uh, Linda, I, I just, I just want to hear your version of the story because it's fascinating to me. Welcome sure. to the show.
1: Thanks, Victoria. I am so excited about this conversation and being here today. Well, so in 2017, we we decided to sell everything we owned and move into an RV. But there were a couple things that happened beforehand that drove us to that decision. And one of those events was my father was diagnosed with a neurological degenerative disease. And for six years, he went from a functioning, normal human to basically a lucid vegetable within a six-year span. So he eventually passed in 2013. And then in 2016, I received a phone call from my mom, and she had a heart attack. And so she died suddenly. So both of these events, I was very close with my parents. My parents were just, I mean, a huge part of my, my life. Even though I didn't live near them, they were still a part of my everyday life. And I I really thought that they would be the kind of parents that we would be together every single Christmas. We would go on vacations together. We would be if if we ended up having children, they would be there to to help me raise and to that I could ask all those questions. And the universe had a different a different uh, time frame for me. So after going through, especially with the trauma of of seeing my dad struggle and go through this disease i developed this coping of a lot of alcohol and and i i want to be careful about calling it alcoholism but i was drinking heavily where it was i was working my job every day and i'd come home i'd have 2 to 4 glasses of wine and that was my evening in front of the tube yes. just just sitting there and not really doing much other than trying to take the pain away with the alcohol
0: Right. So, so medicating yourself so that you could cope, you know, some people choose pills, some people choose alcohol. So I understand what you're saying about being careful about calling it alcoholism, but still using it as a tool for numbing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And And I I can imagine how painful that was like, or maybe I should say, I can't imagine, you know, to watch that degeneration happen so slowly, but so dramatically.
1: Right. Well, you know, there was so much unknown during that period. So, a lot of different emotions of anger and questioning and fear and so all of those emotions in one pot just that those keep stirring and then you include my siblings and my mom who was very emotionally dependent on me. You know, she didn't like to show her emotions to my father, but she would call me crying when she would go upstairs and it was just a a very stressful time. So, it those years, before, while my dad was sick, and then losing my mom all of a sudden. And what's interesting about my mom dying within three years of my father dying is there was a statistic, I, and I don't remember who, who exactly said it, but caregivers generally live an average of three years after the person that they've cared for has. has has passed that that's the average time span. And she fell right into that statistic. And Mm -hmm. we didn't, again, I just, I didn't see any of this coming, even if the doctors warned us that my dad was going to die and that I knew that my mom was getting old and more fragile. And it just, I just didn't expect this. So when, when that happened, Oh, and then two weeks later after my mom passed away, my husband was laid off from his job. So that was three times. I had been laid off twice before that and he had been laid off another time. So just this almost series of rejections, just Mm -hmm. it all hit in waves. And Mm -hmm. we just looked at each other, Victoria, and we said, what are we doing? We see how incredible and delicate our lives are that at any moment we could plan for our retirement and you know plan to to do all of these things when we grow old when we have time mm-hmm. when 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 and look at my dad he his retirement was basically sick in a bed in a wheelchair someone else feeding him someone else giving him baths and my mom my mom just suddenly died out of nowhere <laughs> from a heart yeah. attack so it just these were the lessons that i now see years later that I needed to learn in order to live my life. And so we we decided, let's do something different. And even though my therapist was like, don't do anything dramatic after a <laughs> dramatic event. However, I'm I'm a pretty stubborn person. So we we decided that well, and I say stubborn, but I, when I prayed about it, the the universe gave me signals. It gave mm-hmm. me signs that this was the right path to go to. And those different signs, I, I'm a huge believer in that the universe is working in our favor. And what we, if I ask for a, a signal that the universe will reciprocate and, and provide that to me in some way that I have no idea how, Absolutely.
0: how it will. And when you're paying attention, yeah. like very clearly you were, yes. then those signs become evident to us. Absolutely, and, you know, and it sounds like I mean I know that statistically they say that, say that when you're in grief or when you've had a major life change, you know, such as a divorce, you know, to try not to make any major decisions within one year. But it sounds to me like you were just at, you know, I, I want to use the word breaking point, even even though I don't like to use that word breaking, right? But there was so much happening; it was it was crisis, and uh, how brave for you and your husband to make such a bold decision. So. Tell us more yes
1: so we went through the the phase of I was the executrix of, of our estate and I have other siblings and so I had to go through the the selling of my parents home and and actually the hardest part was getting rid of every item in my parents home after 30 years of living in that home it, you should have seen all the trinkets and stuff and the greeting cards I mean there was just so much to go through and that part, especially was the hardest and then we also got rid of my husband and I our house and got rid of all those things. So when we finally got to a point 4 months later, I mean we did it pretty quickly. We didn't know what we were doing with the RV. We we had never traveled in an RV before. We just <laughs> had this idea that this is what we wanted to do. So we bought an RV that we found within our budget and luckily Many years beforehand, we had already achieved financial independence. We got out of our debt. We were saving. We were for retirement saving for emergencies, and so we were we were financially stable even before my parents' death. So this wasn't because of a trust fund, or because we definitely didn't get that. But you know, we got some money from the sale of the home, and but it this was all pre-planning that we had done because we had already knew that we wanted to take a leap of faith at some point in our lives. And this was just the weird opening that we saw. And we just took a hold of it, even though it was during a, a very tumultuous time in our lives. So then we set off. We started in in Texas. That's where I'm originally from. And for the last three years, we've just been working and traveling. As we we go around the U.S., we've been through the West Coast. We've been near Tennessee and Alabama. And we've been to Montana and Nevada, California. I mean, we've, we've been to so many incredible places. Incredible places. I mean, we are extremely blessed and fortunate to be doing this at such a young age. I'm 36 years old and my husband is 34. I realize that we are young to do this, but we also work just like everybody else. We work Monday through Friday about 7 to 4 p.m. or 8 to 5 p.m. And then on the weekends, we get to play and we'll go to parks. And being outside is incredibly important to us. So we Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time hiking, doing things that are affordable. And to me, being out in nature and hiking, that's affordable and good for our soul, good for our bodies. I mean, good its in
0: general. Good. Oh yes. You're definitely speaking my language. Hiking is my very favorite thing. I just am so incredibly impressed with the fact that you were able to be so brave as to, because I've lost both my parents and, uh, you know and i'm 20 years older than you and i coped a little differently you know in that i haven't let go of the physical thing and uh, i still i live in my parents house i purchased uh, it after my mother passed and and i feel like i kind of need that grounding and that security so what does it feel like cuz i mean trust me i'm a gypsy soul um, and i love to travel and you know i can look up at my calendar and see less days in the next few months that i'm home than i am away um, however what is it like to not have a home, like a place to go home? Or has the motor home become home <laughs> wherever it is? That's such an excellent
1: question. I think that at first it was a struggle to let go of the home. I remember at first we, we thought, let's let's purchase my parents' house and keep it. But it was the the maintenance of the home that we didn't want that attachment to it. And what we kept saying to ourselves was, this is our opportunity to start something new. And just because I'm letting go of my parents' home doesn't mean that all of the memories, all of the wonderful times that we had, all the terrible times that we had in that Mm -hmm. house are gone because I can still hold on to those. So what I started doing was anytime I have a childhood memory, I start to write it out in a journal because I know that, as we age, we will naturally forget the details of certain stories. and Right. So,
0: yes, go ahead. And is that what your book, so your book is The Status quo. It's coming out this year in 2020. Yes. Tell us a little bit more then, is that kind of what your book is about, is writing about those childhood memories and how life has transformed now, or is it something completely different? It's something completely different, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. so, so let's finish up with this first question then. So you're, you're journaling to preserve those childhood memories and to give you that sense of grounding while you follow the road. Yes,
1: yes. Again, I just want to let you know that letting go of that material home was difficult. But what has changed the most for me is realizing that home isn't about the place. It isn't about what we have. It's about what we take with us inside because my home really is my soul, my god, my you know everything that is within me because what i've learned through a lot of buddhist teachings is that everything and every person that we love will change and we will eventually be separated from them. and i think that that's a powerful statement because our culture seems to attach to things so much. but the one thing that we do know is that Everything changes. Even a mountain. It might look like it stays there for years, but really it might grow or shrink a little by millimeters, or the snow and the sand and the wind will will change the way a mountain looks. So Mm -hmm. that's just one example. And if you think about we are mountains as well. And so we are constantly changing, even from the moment that you and I started this recording, we have changed into something different as of right now. So that just idea of my home is wherever I am has really helped me in transforming and loving myself and accepting myself and just realizing that even if I lost everything, I am still going to be okay because I'm always protected.
0: Oh, you know, I just have such a sense of freedom when I listen to you talk and it makes so much sense what you're saying about how the attachment really is an illusion, you know, and it's not something that is permanent and going to be carried with us. I love one thing that you share on your website and and it's a quote, a motivational quote that says, if we were meant to stay in one place, we'd have roots instead of feet. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to say who who said that, but what you've written is the person who said this, <laughs> which is <laughs> A- A- aka anonymous. right? <laughs> <laughs> so if we were meant to stay in one place, we'd have roots instead of feet. Oh, so true. Can you tell us about your book? Because I'm really excited about this.
1: Yes. So what's so funny is I never thought I would be an author And then just all signs pointed to, Glenda, it's time for you to be an author. So I just started writing and it's just been evolving. I've been working on it for a few months now. And and again, I plan on having it launch. I will have it launched uh, in 2020. Yes, you will. But basically, I believe that the status quo is the enemy to living the life you truly deserve. Mm -hmm. And so what I go through in the book is looking at... Perceptions that our culture embodies. And things like we, I'll turn on the TV and we are inundated by alcohol commercials that this is, you know, it, oh you're you're feeling down tonight. Oh, it's Miller time or it's wine o'clock somewhere. It's called mm-hmm. happy hour for a reason. And so there's these directions that I see our culture taking us that well alcohol is going to solve your problems, whereas it doesn't solve your problems. It might temporarily numb the pain for a little bit, but it doesn't solve anything. And so what I'm encouraging people to do is to take a step back and to focus on the things they can control in their life versus what they can't control and the main thing that we can control is our reactions and our perceptions of of anything and Absolutely. so when you when you start to look at Life from a different, there's so many things that we can't control. How someone, if someone talks bad about us, if how my my business is going, if the person cut me off on the road, whatever it might be, those are things we can't control, but we can control our emotions. And I think that a lot of our stress and anxiety comes from our culture saying that we can control everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's farthest from the truth farthest from the truth so i go through a lot of different explanations about looking at how to control your emotions and just feeling taking a step back is the best way i can i can put it
0: and you know that's such a great exercise and in learning that and i know you do motivational speaking and you do workshops as well is this kind of the theme of your speaking and your workshops yes
1: i have an intention that if i can help one person feel the freedom and peace that I've felt through the the avenue that I've taken, that I've done my job. And so even though I am terrified of public speaking, I never thought I'd be an author. You know, I mean, I could tell you all my (laughs) self-limiting beliefs. Yes. But I'm going to do it. And I am doing it. And with each person that responds to me, that tells me about how they've found peace or they've starting to let go of certain things in their life that they've been holding on to certain grudges, it that makes everything worth it. So that's what I speak about is, is how to let go of pain. And there's a big Buddhist blanket over a lot of my my motivational teaching. And mm-hmm. because I I love Buddhism. Even though I'm not a Buddhist, I believe that we can use Buddhism to be a better whatever you already are.
0: Yeah, there is so many beautiful spiritual teachings within the Buddhist faith that you're right, can be applied whether you are a Buddhist or Christian or non-denominational, just to be applied to life in general. Absolutely. I want to repeat your website for people, thestatusfo, so that's foe.com, statusfo.com. And on Instagram, Glenda Hoon Russell and email glenda at thestatusfoe.com. And uh, when I asked you for a motivational tip that you would like to share with the viewers and the listeners, uh, you said something really unique that I have not heard before or expected. So I would love for you, I'll, I'll read it to you. And if you could just kind of share what you mean by it. What you said was, ruin is a gift. It's the road to transformation.
1: Yes, this is one of my favorite quotes. And I believe it's from Elizabeth Gilbert in her Eat, Pray, Love The thing is, is that traumatic events, terrible times, bad situations, it happens to all of us, all of us. We are all connected in, even though we don't talk about it, we're all connected in in these experiences and these emotions that we all go through. We might not go through the same things. Some people might go through worse situations, some people might not, but our emotions are Are still the same emotions. Mm -hmm. And I believe that with every, that we all have a choice in how we view our, what happens to us, the good and the bad. And with that, you have a choice to either see these traumatic events as something that you can learn from you can learn either if that person hurt you that you could that person can be a teacher to you or that that event happened to you you can let that that event be your lesson and so when you take that concept and you apply it and I, I need to have, I have a little caveat that you have to go through your healing first, mm-hmm. because that part is so important, that middle section of going through the, he, the Feeling healing. the part. feelings, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. And getting the help you need and reading the books or, you know, whatever you need to do to get through that healing process is so important. But then when you're finally able to come to that other side, that seeing that, let that mess become your message. Let it be the fuel that you need to give you meaning because I guarantee you there is somebody out there that has experienced a situation similar to yours and that needs to hear your words. And that could be you might not become a motivational speaker and that's okay. Maybe it's that you see on a, a Facebook thread and you respond to someone mm-hmm. with a very caring response and that person just feels like they're not alone in the world. That's beautiful. That's positive energy. That is God working. And I just yes. there there's just, you know, let your or how did I, how did you say it? <laughs> Ruin is
0: the gift of burn is a gift. It is yes. the
1: road to transformation. Yes. And so let that. That be your gift. And let it transform you into the new you. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot that goes into that, and you know how to let go. And you know there's so much to it, but it's uh, you know letting your mess be your message. I think is one of the most important lessons that I've learned from experiencing a lot of tragedy.
0: Yes, and I love that, and it's such a simple statement, but so true. And I wrote it down as soon as you said it: be your message. And so I'm excited about that. You do your speaking engagements and your workshops. I'm assuming you do those as you travel around the the country and uh, enjoying your freedom in terms of being able to be on the road and uh, still, like you said, contributing to your future and to society, working, you know, your seven to fours or your eight to fives, but still being able to really have that human connection with people from your mess and making it your message. And that's really what we all want, right? Is that human connection. And, uh, you know, when we have something like hope, someone, when we talk to someone like you who's been there, who's walked through the fire and come out the other side. That's what that gives us is that hope. And uh, I appreciate you so much for being on the show today and sharing your story with the listeners and the viewers. What a true example of someone who is practicing extreme self-care. And uh, I appreciate all that you're doing for humanity. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Victoria. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to become an internationally certified Heal Your Life teacher and coach, please visit thetraining.ca. To be a guest on the show and share your story, please visit victoriajohnson.org. Thank you so much for joining us.